Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now, for this week's message. James has got some questions for us, and he's going to lead us through this conversation this morning. Absolutely. Well, welcome to Coastal Church, our guest, our senior pastor, David Sheroku. And it's really a privilege for me and for the church as well to have pastors that believe in small groups so much that we would take, again, a, a one weekend just to share, again, the vision and hopefully the idea of changing it up a little bit in this interview style will help you hear our pastor's heart for the church through small groups. So with that said, um, do you mind sharing with the church this morning, Pastor Dave and Cheryl, uh, what was Coastal First Life Group? Or small group life? Well, our first life group, and I think we have a picture of our very first life group that we, uh, we met in the Empire Landmark Hotel, it was called in those days, on Sheraton Landmark yeah. Hotel on Robson Street. And uh, there we were just a small group of people. And uh, it was actually the only place at that time that we could meet. We, we knocked on a lot of doors in those days to, to rent someplace, and they were kind enough to open the door for us. So it started off as a small group. And it, Can I just jump in there? Yeah. You know, when Cheryl said that it was the only place that we could meet, it really was. This downtown is not like it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we went to all the major hotels. We went to the community center. We went to the high school. And, uh, and they, they didn't want to have church. Uh, church planting was not vogue 20 years ago downtown. Today, it's kind of vogue. And, and it's great to see more churches yeah. coming up. We yeah, pray absolutely. for that. But it was, it was pioneering ground, tough ground. We would go, no, we don't want a church. No, we're not interested. The school said, no, well, technically we should do it. We have to do it, but we can't promise you every weekend. And it was kind of like no room in the inn. And it was, it was really challenging to find a place to meet. It, it has changed, praise God, a lot in the last 20 years. Uh, one of the groups that we've worked with is the, is the Baptist group. They're great church planters. And sometimes they ask me to come speak on church planting. And uh, so I've done that. And when I did my studies on my thesis, I interviewed them, and uh, they said, we have an interesting story to tell you, because we had gone to the roundhouse, asked if we could meet there when we were going to move out for a renovation, and uh, back in the day, they, it was pretty tough ground, and he says, we have a story about the roundhouse, because we went there to ask them if we could meet in the roundhouse, and uh, they said, well, are you guys like Coastal Church? And he said, well, I wasn't sure how to answer that. Should I say, yes, we are? Or should I say, no, we're not at all like them in whatever it's going to take to get in there? And he said, no, yeah, we would be like Coastal Church. We'd be similar to that. And they said, okay, if that's the case, yeah, we'd love to have you. And uh, I thought, you know, what a testament to what God has done in our city. It has changed in the last 20 years. And I think that's not just Coastal Church. That's just church as a whole, something's changing in our city, yes. and it is exciting what happened in Rogers Arena, what's happening in, in down the street. We have another church there in the theater there, and uh, just other church plans coming. This city is changing, yes. and uh, so I could stop preaching on that. Anyhow, it was, I'm digressing, but just to show you that in the early days, we were, this pioneer, the, the DNA of Coastal Church is pioneer, and pioneering ground here. We kind of like pioneer stuff. Move rocks and stumps and, and uh, plow ground, and we'll plow ground in downtown Eastside now, but we, we kind of like that stuff. Well, in that pioneering stage, 1994, we had an average attendance of 40 people. 
But in that average attendance of 40 people, we had four life groups. So that's a pretty high percentage. We, so right from the very, uh, the very foundation of the church, life groups, small groups were definitely a part of it. Yeah, and in your pioneering, there's usually trial and errors involved, and there's been a few things that you've tried. Some work, but some other things have not worked as well. Is there, can you remember some of those um, that didn't work so well as we tried to pioneer in terms of reaching out to the community? Maybe I'll start with the phone campaign. Yeah, it was a great idea. Uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a company in the U.S. that uh, had a survey format that would help a church start uh, or a new plant uh, come up with a way to invite people to your very first service. So we sent away for this information, and it was extensive. And in that material, you were to call the homes in the area that you were looking to, that you felt the Lord wanted you to plant a church. So we did that, and we, we dialed 30,000 homes. Right. We actually yeah. talked to 10,000 people in, in, the, in this area. And in that time, we also sent three pieces of material to their homes, sent all of our statistics after we did everything by the book, sent everything back. The, the, the results from that, they came back to us and they said, based on your results, you should expect approximately 400 people to your first service. Well, we were really excited. So, God, you're so good. And we prepped for that. We planned for that. And we prayed into that, this small little one life grouper or, you know, those couple of groups. And we prayed into it. And that first service, we had four. Not, not 400, it was four. It was, we were so encouraged. Yeah, we thought, let's leave now, Lord. <laughs> so that was after 10,000 10, phone, and these are live phone calls, right? Not yeah, like yeah, we were, automated. Yeah, calls, they yeah. were actually It was not a mass email campaign. These were actual yeah. mail that got sent out and had four. And yet you decided, you didn't decide to pack up, pack it up, and, and no. leave town. We kind of retooled and said, well, we'll try. At that time, there was this uh, Jesus video campaign, and they said, oh, this is working in all the cities, and, uh, and so we invested our own money and others, and we bought a bunch of videos. This is the old school, before online podcasts, yeah. DVD, the old big VHS. Big. And so we went to people. We called them. We served it on a silver platter. We begged people to take the Jesus video. <laughs> we had zero. Nobody came. Nobody responded to it. it. It bombed. And it wasn't like we didn't try. We really were. But the good thing about it, like you said last night, is it brought us to our knees. Yeah. And we just said, God, this... What is it? This is a different tribe, Vancouver. What do we do to reach people? Because we know there's a hunger for it, but obviously our methods aren't correct. So show us your ways. How many know God's got a better way? His ways are higher than our ways. And so that's when we really sought God and, and ended up in a different place. Luke chapter 10. And Luke chapter 10, too, which is our memory verse for the week, uh, it talks about going into the praying to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And really, that's at that time, I, I, we were at a place where it's like, okay, what are we doing here? What, did, what were we thinking? Why, sh why did we think we could start a church here? And it was at that point that we went back to that verse because we were here because the Lord showed us the harvest. We came downtown because God, it's like he unveiled our eyes and we saw a harvest of souls that needed to be reached for Jesus. And so going through these a different org and they're they're great both of them were really great programs they just weren't the programs for us and in coming to our knees it brought us to a place where we said god what are you what have you already done in vancouver 
he's already moving. He's already doing something. It's not like, here, ta-da, here we are. You know, we're going to have this. We're going to do whatever. It, it put us to a place where we said, God, what are you already doing in our city? And where is our flow in that? What do you want from us in that area? Somewhere in there, there's a need that you have that joint will supply through us. So what is that? And to be able to keep your eyes on the harvest, because quite honestly, at that time, it was like, okay, why, why are we doing this? But when, because it was for the harvest, it gave us the strength to say, God, show us what you want us to do here. And as I even, um, my role being administering the life group at the church here, in the studying of different models, I'm still convinced that small group is still the best way for us to grow in our faith and also for the church to grow, uh, even as we grow larger in numbers, how to maintain that, um, exactly. the, the small community sense. So you mentioned Luke 10, uh, some of the biblical principle behind life group, and whether it's 20 years ago or today, it still applies. Share with us what was it from Luke 10 that really led you to use small group as a model for growing the church? That's a great question, James, because we were, we were really stuck, and we, you know, we couldn't go anywhere with it. We knew that he'd called us here. What was the way to do this? And uh, when we looked at this passage, and this has really become a hallmark passage for our church. So if Coastal Church is your home, and you say, man, I want to plug into community, this is our DNA. Our DNA is small groups. Yeah. And we're really, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, this works, because it's Bible. This was Jesus' way. But as we looked at this passage, we realized that for the most part, at least from our church experience, we'd been doing it backwards. And we were wondering why we weren't getting results. And we had this brilliant idea. What if we just did exactly what Jesus said to do? Kind of sounds like Jesus' mom turning the water into wine where she said, just whatever he says to do, do it. And uh, so we thought, well, let's, let's try it. Let's just do what he said to do. And so I'll put up the verses, Luke chapter 10, and this is from verse 5 to 9. And uh, we, we can read that out loud, or we can put up on the screen at least, and uh, we'll see those verses in a second. There we go. Luke 10, 5 to 9. Here it says, but whatever house you enter. So he's sending out the 70. In Luke chapter 9, he sent the 12. By the way, read Luke 9, and you'll find out they made a whole bunch of mistakes. Uh, at one point, he said to them, you know, you don't know what spirit you're of. He has to rebuke them, and he they, they made a lot of mistakes. It's really encouraging, actually, if you've made mistakes. It's kind of good to know you're not the only one. The disciples messed up a lot. And uh, I, would have, I think I might have canceled the whole team and got a new team, but Jesus sends them and more. He really he gives us a lot of grace, and he lets us make a lot of mistakes. Uh, so now he's sending out the seven. He says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. So notice the first thing he tells them to do is go to a house. That's really important. And then when you enter, bring peace. And your peace will rest on it. And if they, they're not interested in having you, basically saying, go to another place. Go to, it'll return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. The labor is worthy of his wages. So stay in the house, build relationships, which is very different from some of the other approaches where we kind of went from house to house and you left something. And this was all about relationships. Eat and drink with them. Now, if you live in the West End or an apartment or in, even in a suburb, you know you just don't... It takes relationships before you have a meal in somebody's house. It takes some time before that happens. So, but this is his method. House, eat, drink with them. Don't go from house to house. Build a relationship. Whatever city you enter, so I think Vancouver would count. It works here. 
and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. Twice talks about eating, so it's got to be pretty important. <laughs> eat together. Uh, why is it important? Because at mealtime, you open up your heart, yeah. right? When you have a meal together with people, you end up talking, hey, how was your week? How are things going? And they'll say, oh, was, wow, my week wasn't very good. Uh, my, actually, my, my aunt's in the hospital, or my mom and dad are going through a divorce. Uh, it was, you know, at mealtime, we'll end up sharing. We'll laugh together, but our hearts are open. We'll also share, oh, you know what? Uh, I got fired this week. And in that, in that closeness in homes, you really find out needs. And then it says, and heal the sick there. Well, when are you healing the sick? After relationships have been built, after you've been in the home, and they've shared their need. So somebody says, you know, my aunt's in the hospital. What do you do? Well, can I pray for your aunt? And if they're not churchgoers or Christians, most people will say, yeah, sure. Or at the least they'll say, well, it can't hurt, you know, and so they'll, they'll welcome prayer. And so you pray for them, but now you're praying because you've had relationship with them. You've broken bread. You've, you've had a meal together. You barbecued together. You, you, you sat down together. You had coffee together. So now you pray for them. And then about two weeks later, they come back and say, man, you prayed for my job. I lost it. I, I got another job. I think those prayers really worked. Or you prayed for my aunt, she's feeling better. Or you prayed for, I, I feel a, a weight off my shoulders. What is it that you believe? And at that point, then you say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, what we found out is that we were doing it backwards. First, we were preaching, the kingdom of God is near you, repent, you know, use that kind of formula, and, you know, come to Jesus type thing. And then, then we'll, okay, now come up, I'll pray for you. Then maybe I'll have a meal with you, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'll go to your house. So for the most part, it was upside down. But Jesus said, no, go first to their house. So this light went off inside of us. Why don't we just do what Jesus said to do in our community? Why don't we go to people's homes, get to know them, eat with them, do life with them, pray for their needs, and then when they say, hey, what is it about you guys that are different, then we'll tell them. And so that was it. So if you say, well, how does your church engage with the community? You can just say, well, just follow Luke chapter 10. That's our, our method. We've had people come to our church, and they, they wanted us to have, go with them on an aggressive campaign. Maybe when there's a parade happening or something, can you come outside and hold up signs with us, you know, and uh, radical signs? And we'll just say, no, you know what? All the power to you, but that's not our approach. We just found that our tribe kind of turns them off. They'd much rather have something authentic, relationship, and then they're interested, and they want to be heard. They don't want to be shouted at. They want a dialogue, and with that method, people say they're they're very interested in knowing about Jesus mm -hmm. if you do it his way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's a long answer. Sorry, yeah. James. No, that's great, and we're really thankful that on that first service when you only had four people show up, that you didn't quit and just <laughs> left and continue on this model that God has shown, and I know that this is more than just theory for the two of you that almost 20 years they've been life groups since, small groups since the beginning of Coastal Church, and today that continues to be a, a, a strong, valuable part. And in that time, I'm sure there are so many stories that could be shared, but what are some of the highlights, some really powerful stories that um, indicate the benefits of being in a small group? What are some of those that you could perhaps share with the church family this morning? I think one of the benefits is eliminating loneliness. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. It's healthy to be alone. It's not healthy to be lonely. 
And the Vancouver Foundation put some stats together. Uh, just they released it this past year. One of those stats was um, that 42% of Metro Vancouver residents surveyed agree that younger and older generations do not make an effort to get to know and understand each other. Life groups, they go right to the core of that. And I'll use our own life group for example. Our life group has really three generations of, of in ages, um, culturally different, ages it's different. In fact, when the first young couple that were in their early 20s uh, asked if they could be in our life group, and at that time it wasn't it wasn't full yet, which it now is, but it, it I just thought I'd throw that out there, but it is, um, when they first came, they said that, um, well, you said, you know, you don't have to come to our life group, and they said, no, we want to come to your life group, we want to be with other people that have walked in the faith longer than we have, we want to learn from their experiences, and it's so encouraging to see in life group that it, you don't have to silo yourself into something that is just very comfortable for you. I, I could be very comfortable just being with people just like me, but it's so rich to be in a, in a larger, diverse life group with more people. So that's definitely one of the things that come, come out of it. Another thing is that the Bible has a lot of another's to talk about, love one another, serve one another, help one another. And in life group, all of those things take place, transpire time and time and time again. I look at Howard Michaela on the front row, and I see that the life group, you've been leading a life group for so many years, and hosting and leading, <clears throat> excuse me, life groups. And when situations come in your life, who's there for you? It's your life group. I just talked to someone in their life group uh, prior to this service, and they said, we're there for them. That that's the power of a life group, is you get to serve one another. You get to help one another. Uh, we've seen that recently. We've seen that throughout the years, whether it's a hospital visitation. How many times? Do you, I think we realized that quite early on, right? And you would go to the hospital to visit someone, and um, and, and I, I remember the first time it happened, and you said, "I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't get here sooner." And they said, "Oh, that's okay, Pastor. Our life group, Lee, our life group's already been here. It's okay." And we've seen that that has really been a pattern. That whenever there's a need, when someone moves, or when there's a there's a, a, a whether it's a tragedy or a success. Just recently, a life group made it to someone's graduation, and so just to see that kind of support that you get, it's those one another's. It's also a place that you get to uh, learn the Bible, learn how to pray. Uh, have you ever been around someone that just when they pray, you just go, "Wow, that just." I think that just touched the heart of God, and I want to pray just like that. Or you, you, you learn how to pray from one another. You don't do it to imitate someone. You do it to to learn. And when you're in a small group, you, you listen to how other people pray and how they talk to your father. You go, oh, God, I want to know you like that. I love the way they do. And you, you latch on to their faith as they pray. And then it's also getting to know God's word. We've been in life groups, in, in our life group, as well as other life groups, where people didn't realize that there were 66 books in the Bible. They didn't know that there was an Old and a New Testament. But to be there beside someone that says, you know, I'll, I'll help you find that. I'll, I'll show you where that is and not feel... Because when you're in those situations, I've been there where I don't get it. I don't understand. You're, you're kind of embarrassed. It's like, I should know how to do this, and I don't. And just to be in a smaller setting where it's okay. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, when in a Sunday morning, we, we hear, just like they did in the early church, they devoted themselves, they joined with one another, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper and prayer, and uh, we, we hear God's word on a morning like this, which is great. We need that. 
But you know, what's great, James, is in small groups, as you know, is that's where we get to ask questions, dive into it. And sometimes you, we're, we're not your teacher. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit's your teacher. And the Bible says to be like the Bereans. The Bereans of the Bible, they went back, they searched the scriptures for themselves. They said, Paul, you might have taught us that, but we're going to go back and check it out. And uh, you know one of your greatest gifts are? Is that you can read. And we can read and check it out and search the scriptures and go, you know what? Yeah, that lines up. And ultimately, that's what we should do. And life groups is a great place to do because we share thoughts. We we look into it. I'm taking notes in life group. I said, Matt, often Mm -hmm. those of my life group will know I'll say, that'll preach. And then they'll find that I'm preaching on what they said sometime because I'm learning from them. And uh, so it's a place where we get to digest it together and share together. Our life group leaders, they're not Bible study teachers. We don't, if, as a matter of fact, if you want to lead a life group like that, James will kind of give you a coaching class that you're to facilitate. Yeah. This is not your place to have a, a little soapbox to preach your favorite doctrine. That's not what it's about. It's a place to facilitate discussion. And... Uh, you know what? We found out the tribe of Vancouver, we like to share our ideas. We like to participate. And the life group's a safe place to do it. And then like Cheryl said, it's a place for prayer. One other verse, you didn't have it up on the screen, but I need to mention verse 13 of that Luke chapter 10. It says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Exclamation mark. Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. And uh, he just finished talking to them about going to people's houses. You know, there's mighty works are done in people's homes. Mighty healings, salvation, people's lives are changed. Our life groups often will keep a logbook of all the answers to prayer. And if you're in a life group, I encourage you to do that. Why to do that? Because later on, you'll go back and you'll go, any, well, first of all, say any praise reports, you'll go, yeah, this answer to prayer, that answer to prayer. Then once in a while, you'll go back and you'll flip to the pages. I'll tell you what, when life groups pray, yeah. It's just, there's something sweet about it. If you need prayers answered, hook up into a life group. Yeah. It, there's just mighty works take place in life group. Well, I thought I had to be here or there or, no, in small group, in houses. Yeah. And scriptures are filled with references, and they met in this house, and they met in that house. Jesus likes houses. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, can I come to your house? And it's, he loves going to people's homes, and he loves to come to your home and, and show up and do mighty works. I'm preaching, That's sorry, mighty preaching. works in your house. Yeah. No, preach That's away. Yeah. I'm supposed to be interviewed, and, and I, there, I go to preach mode. Sorry, James. They're easy, easy interview candidates to have. But I do hear kind of two things in there, that the benefit of being a group in a life group is that you get to grow together with others, grow in your relationship with others, and you also grow in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm that the scripture that you touched on, Acts 2.42, that says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the weekend message that you hear, you get an opportunity during the week to, again, go deeper in it, ask yeah, questions yeah. and digest that. And you get to uh, spend time with other people, better together. And you get to pray. You can pray together. Uh, I mean, you can pray to God by yourself. But, again, we think that praying together, have others come into agreement with you is better. And, of course, sharing in meals um, you can't share a meal by yourself. It's better <laughs> to share with others, and we just think that it helps um, to address that issue. Uh, going back to Luke 10, and such an epidemic in our city, Vancouver, where loneliness is yeah, a problem, and uh, the, the church being challenged, and us as uh, the church family to reach out to neighbors. Perhaps you can even think about neighbors in your own building yeah. that perhaps all they needed was someone to invite them over 
for, or for coffee first and start to get to know them and believe that God will use you to uh, introduce them eventually to the church. Um, I want to move on. Uh, Pastor Dave and Cheryl had touched about how we get to grow uh, as believers as well, both in learning how to pray and to, and to study. And we believe that there's a, a blessing that comes yeah. from someone that gives us their time. And I want to yeah. take this time to um, extend our gratitude to all our life group leaders and hosts for all yeah. that you do, yeah. for all that you do right now. And right now, there's, there's over um, 60 uh, small groups that meet uh, throughout our city. And I know on those weeknights, sometimes after a full day of work, and you come, and you're tired, you're exhausted, and you have to spend the next two hours hosting a group of people. And to be honest, uh, I felt that way when if no one showed up tonight, I'm actually thankful. Um, <laughs> and then one will show up. But sometimes you just have those life groups with just you and Jesus. You know, we've all been there. But how often does it happen that when... Um, at the end of the night, when you push through, and at the end of it, you're just so thankful. Yeah. You say, God, I just needed that. That yeah. was actually more for me than for them. And that's some of the rewards that uh, you get. Maybe some you can think about other um, stories of life groups, or maybe even what Jesus teaches of the blessing that when we step out in obedience mm -hmm. and give what we have to serve him. Yeah, Luke uh, chapter 5, Jesus steps into Peter's boat. And, um, and he asks him to push him out, and he uses his boat to preach. After he finishes preaching, he says to Peter to go fishing, to drop his net. And Peter, exasperated, said, oh, Lord, you, we were fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. But yet, when Jesus was in his boat, there was abundance. What He let Jesus step into his boat. Jesus is still asking to step into our boats and asking us to push off from the shore. And your boat may be your home. For us, it was our home. Yeah. It was saying, this is what we, when God would say, why do you have what you have? We said, we have a home. And so we, we've always purposed to host a life group in our home. And for a, for a number of reasons. One is out of obedience. We want to give him what he's given us. We want it to be used for his kingdom. Another reason for us as a family, quite honestly, is that we had a growing family. And it was very difficult for us to take our whole family to another home. So we said, you know, we could host one and we could invite people to our house. And that is really beneficial because it gives you an opportunity to put your baby to bed or put your toddler to bed if, or your, your child if they're school age. But the, the other benefit that early on I did not realize, I don't think we realized what a benefit it would be, is that our children would see us in a situation where we're sitting around in our home worshiping God, we're praying with other believers, we have our Bibles open with other people asking questions, and so we were teaching without teaching. They were catching something that we didn't realize all those years they were catching. And it got to the point where every one of them have led and or are leading life groups themselves where it's, they saw the benefit of us being in a small group like that, and it's affected our family. Sometimes we have people come up to us and say, you know, what have been the keys of, of raising a godly family? I'd say that that has definitely been a key, where it was a constant, was it easy? Absolutely not. You have a family, you have kids coming home from school, you're trying to get them dinner, you're trying to clean everything up and get the coffee pot on before people come. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it rewarding? Absolutely. It was so worth giving Jesus our boat or our home. And you may have a home to give the Lord and, and pass that on to other people. One situation that be, because of doing that, that, that comes to my mind that um, uh, in a life group setting 
is uh, someone that we had met. He didn't attend church, and we started praying for him. We brought his name to the, the life group, and, and Dave mentioned that, you know, journaling some things. So we had his name. So our life group by name knew this individual. And one night, just prior to life group, he, um, he gave you a call and asked him, okay, asked him to drive you to there. I thought he was there already. So I asked him to drive you to the airport. And so uh, you said, just, you guys, just pray for me. Yeah. And so we actually didn't do the notes and the questions and worship that night. We all got around our coffee table in our living room on our knees. And for the next hour and a half to two hours, we interceded. We prayed for this young man that, that Dave was going to be with. And we prayed for his salvation. That the eyes of his understanding would be like, there were people crying over this man they have never met. And crying and asking God to save his soul that he could become a brother in Christ. We prayed not knowing what was taking place at YVR and only learned later that you had an opportunity to pray for him, came back, and instead of walking away from his life, he was running away from his life, literally getting on a plane, running away from everything that he had. He didn't run away. He came back and faced his life, and now, years later, is married to a beautiful woman. They have two gorgeous kids, and they're serving Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and just to finish up the story with Peter, you know, Peter lets Jesus get into his boat. They go fishing, and uh, he catches so many fish that night, his boat's filled, and he has to call the other boat, come on over, because my boat's too full. That night, he, or that day, he probably caught a month's worth of fish. What did he do? He sold the fish. You know, there's a principle there. If you let God have your house, if you let God use what you have, he's no man's debtor. When you say, God, use it, this is mine. There is a blessing. You can't give a cup of cold water in his name that there's not a blessing, a reward that comes with it. We don't do it for that reason, yeah. but out of obedience. He said, if you're willing in obedience, you'll eat the good of the land. Yeah. So that's really a great benefit of uh, being involved in using your home because it is, like Cheryl said, it is a, it's a choice. And you have to go, okay, Lord, this is an adjustment. But I just encourage you for all of eternity... You can't take your apartment to heaven with you. You can't take your BMW. You can't take your Rolex, your new suit. You can't take your, your bling bling doesn't go to heaven, folks. They can put it over the coffin, but it's not going to show up in heaven with you. What shows up in heaven with you are other lies, things that you've done for eternity. And uh, we are a church that loves small groups, and one of the benefits is leading. And uh, James, boy, uh, tell us about how we can experience it this November, because we've got a plan that you could experience it even just for one month, and uh, we need to hear about that. Um, those that are in life groups know that usually during the week we'll review the Sunday sermon. Uh, in November, coming up, and after that you've heard about all these benefits of being a life group, we want to give you an opportunity to be in one or host one. Uh, one of the series that we'll be starting uh, off is by Pastor Craig Rochelle. So this is the book that's actually available in the bookstore. And Pastor Greg Rochelle is a great teacher, great speaker uh, from Life Church. And we ran this series at our family camp this summer. And it just went, uh, went over so well. And I'm excited to watch it again and this time to share it with the whole church family. So in the next four weeks, uh, what all the small groups are, have the opportunity to do is to get together uh, for maybe an hour or two. And within that time... You get to watch a half-hour teaching, and I'll give you a teaser, a short clip from one of the videos that you watch. And after that, simply get into discussion questions, and then you share. The four topics that uh, is covered in the video um, are really so relatable and applicable to anybody in any walk of life. 
So the first one uh, deals with our feeling of inadequacy, how often we feel like we're not good enough. And the second uh, week, we talk about our need for control, letting go of our need for control, how often we get um, discouraged or um, upset because of the things, that, the things that cause us to be distracted. And the third is our longing for approval or lack of it. And finally, how to get over offense. Why is it that even as believers, we're so easily offended? So these are the four topics that you can just bring your family. Um, last night, we had a, a young family that just thought, this would be great um, for my mom. I need to have, I'm not sure if there's a particular issue that he was thinking in his mind. But in any case, if there is somebody that you think, oh, you know, you talk about control. I do know somebody that has control issues. I should invite them to life group. And we encourage you to, um, whether it's family or, or friends or somebody in your office, all you need is um, a laptop or a DVD player. Uh, we send the links out. And those that are either leading life group, you already received that from me. And the message notes that go along with it. And for four weeks, uh, we're not asking them, you know, to commit to a year. We're simply wanting as many people as possible to experience life, doing life together. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to living a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org. 